Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Alicia here with you again from beautiful Melbourne, Australia, joined this week by a guest. I'm joined by Willem Sundblad, who's the CEO and co-founder at Odin Technologies. Welcome, Willem. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Now, Willem, you're based in uh, New York City today, I think you're coming from. That's right. That's right. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, your your company does something really interesting that uh, that I think is going to be pretty interesting to our listeners, which is actually using a lot of data in a high rate of change environment to optimize things. But uh, rather than try and describe it myself, I'm going to let the founder and owner of the company talk us through it. So tell us, what does Odin Technologies actually do? Yeah, we are an industrial internet of things company. We deliver the end-to-end solution for our customers. And our typical customers are not the industrial companies that you may think of, the Teslas and the Caterpillars of the world but their suppliers. Um, so looking at material processing, the way of making things that we take for granted um, every day. So simple things like bins that you throw used needles into, luggage compartments that goes on planes, cables, medical tubing, um, that type of products. So we've built the device that can communicate with those machinery, take data from them in real time, and then a big data platform tailored to manufacturers. They can analyze and optimize that production. So you're actually doing what I see a lot of people talking about, which is you're gathering vast amounts of data from a vast amounts of devices and actually actioning that information to improve processes, procedures, and efficiency. Yes, that's right. And so this is a, a both a hardware and software combination solution. Maybe you can talk us through some of that. Yep. And it's interesting. We actually didn't start it as a hardware and software company. We started it as a software company because we thought that someone else had built a hardware that we can use, that we can plug into. Um, <laughs> but we realized that... In that this, has been an assumption. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but we realized that in, in most of manufacturing technology is still supplied by the big industrial automation giants. So the Siemens, the Rockwells, and the, the Honeywells of the world. Um, and it's very complex, uh, very expensive solutions. And so usually for data acquisition in factories, you use something that's called a PLC, a programmable logic controller. Um, and they are, you know, from the 60s and 70s. Um, they cost about between $2,000 to $5,000 each with the custom programming, and then you need to network them with Ethernet cables. So we realized right away that that was not really going to work for the way we want to do things. Um, so we're actually using Raspberry Pis instead. Um, we figure oh, out a way to, yep. So the Raspberry Pi or the device that we're using is built on the Raspberry Pi. Um, we figure that it has all the computational power we need, a functioning supply chain. And for us, we're more of a hardware enabled software company. The software is definitely the biggest focus for us. So you basically had to go and create using using that Raspberry Pi platform a, a piece of integration into all these different kinds of industrial devices that exist out there. But really, its main purpose is to pump data back into your central processing location. Exactly, and and to be able to do that, we're really riding on the uh, what was called the third industrial revolution when electronics and microcontrollers first made it into machines. Um, so pretty much any machine from late 60s, early 70s has some form of sensors in them and data in them and also a calibration port or a serial port on the back of it. 
Um, and so we're really just connecting to that port, pulling the data and then sending to our platform um, in real time. It's interesting when you think about it that the, a lot of these uh, devices were already enabled in advance to some respects, but really we're only starting to use that now. What kind of things do you look for? What are you analyzing? Like, What do your customers want from the software that you create? Yeah, it, it's kind of two things. Um, they want to... They want to make more faster. <laughs> so understand where their downtime problems are coming from, how their throughput uh, compares week on week, shift on shift, and what where the variation comes from. But where we've had the most success is actually looking at the quality of the production, looking at the defects and the rejections. Usually if you're making things, um, you run your production and then you have QA test it and then it goes off to the customer. And if it's rejected in QA or by the customer, that's when the sort of analysis and troubleshooting starts for manufacturers where they then go out with clipboards and timers to take data in. And it can take weeks to months with just, you know, people taking in data and, and Excel. Um, and in our case, we automate that um, in real time, essentially. So they can do any type of troubleshooting um, analysis on material consumption, defects, all types of uh, root cause, cause analysis um, instantly. So that's where we have most of our ROI and success from the customers. So the data that we're looking at is um, down to the material science of the process. So melt profile for how plastics is melting, laser diameters on output, um, RPMs and amps within the machines. It's really about, you know, giving them as much data as possible and then they're solving it by pretty much peeling the layers off the onion. I think the interesting thing as well is that, I mean, not only are you collecting a, a huge amount of information, but you're allowing it to be processed and reacted to in real time. Yep. And that's that's where the money saving is and the, the alteration of process because we, we want to have that loop as tight as possible. How have you tackled, uh, broadly speaking, without giving away too much secret sauce, some of the challenges of you know, ingesting large amounts of information, processing it quickly and getting it into some sort of actionable visualization easily for your customers? Um, that has taken a lot of work. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Founded a company to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And we have been taking baby steps to be able to do it as well. I mean, in the beginning, we started taking data just once a minute from the machines um, to start building out the, the alpha version of the solution to prove that we can actually do it. Um, we then realized that the it wasn't enough granularity for the customers to truly solve the problems. So then taking data once a second and also increasing demand in the number of data points and number of machines we're collecting, we're now at about, for a whole factory, about 50 million metrics per day. Um, so not huge amounts, I mean, not insurmountable, but if you think that a organization might have um, between five and 80 factories, it quickly scales up quite a lot. Um, so in our, in our architecture right now, we have uh, the devices are actually sending data to a hub in their IT office, which then has fixed line internet connection. So that then passes on to um, our API, our RESTful API. And then we've got a queuing framework in, uh, in RabbitMQ. And then also our, our sort of data storage or data warehouse is Cassandra in AWS with Kairos DB on top of that. Um, one of the biggest challenges, however, is that we're, we're not always getting 
enough data from the machines. We usually have to do calculations on our own or create formulas or create ratios between different machines So we and also have that in real time. So we realized we needed to build a real-time stream processing framework. Um, and the complexity of doing that was also quite challenging. We built a first iteration of it in Python uh, custom, then realized they wouldn't really work when we're doing complex out-of-order handling, um, especially when you have data that's coming from different machines and the network might be flaky with one machine. So we then actually um, built a new custom version of that in Go um, that can do all types of um, calculated real-time metrics. We've actually just implemented today. Um, we've been joking that it's inception today because we're making calculated metrics on calculated metrics on calculated metrics in real time. <laughs> we're, we're four levels deep now in the real-time. Calculated metrics all the way down. <laughs> yeah. So we're taking we're taking uh, we're taking laser diameter measurements of the output from machines, and then calculating that into different averages. And then calculating that into the volume of material, volume of product that the machines are doing, so that we can then in real time see how much how much material they're using and how much material they're wasting. And that's obviously something again that they want to be able to adjust in very short amounts of time, so they can reduce that wastage very quickly. Yep, exactly. And you mentioned a, a, a raft of different technologies you're using, and obviously uh, Amazon is a is a part of that. And like many of our customers, using the bits and pieces that make sense when they make sense. So, what are some of the services you're using at the moment? And what are some of the services you're maybe evaluating at the moment as well? So we're we're constantly iterating and and doing rapid experimentation. Um, right now, um, we're using a lot of different services, but from open source uh, suppliers. So it's mainly um, from Amazon, um, EC2 and, and RDS. Um, so we have all of our um, all of our hardware management is actually in MySQL RDS, um, and then Cassandra is of course in in EC2. We're also sending all of our raw data logs to S3. Um, we have realized that we're probably taking on a little bit too much in house, so we're exploring a lot of managed services as well, um, like Redshift. Um, we're interested to see also what's happening with your uh, machine learning services and see where we can leverage there. Um, we're just starting to dip into that with our existing customers in a, in a beta project with them. Fantastic. Well, lots of lots of interesting areas to explore. And, and you know, many organizations find they evolve their architecture over time and, and choose which parts uh, can be uh, can be converted into a, a service rather than having to be managed yourself. So it's, uh, it's horses for courses, particularly when you know your business so well. Exactly. And I mean, for us, we've been, we've been iterating a lot since we started. Uh, and we're just now coming to sort of, okay, this is our ideal state. Now we can scale it. Now we can deploy it to factors at will. So now we're starting to refocus and say, okay, what parts of this should we be doing ourselves? And where should we focus most of our resources? And I think we've realized that for us, um, focusing on the data products and the machine learning and the data science is a lot more important than the data engineering challenges of just mm-hmm. scaling up the platform. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a lot, a lot more value in the uh, the analytics and the, the data science part, that's for sure. Exactly. And so, Willem, where can people find you? Um, people can find me, uh, me personally, usually somewhere in the Midwest in the U.S., 
Um, <laughs> Walk on factory floors. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, you can, um, yeah. There's usually at least one one trip per week, if not more. Um, and it's it's actually really interesting. Um, I mean, our customers are truly everywhere. Um, we started the company in London, but moved it over to the U.S. because we had our first customers, our early adopters, and it was just one big market with one language. But at the same time, they're all over from Midwest out to the East Coast, down to Georgia, and then a big cluster around Texas as well. Um, so I'm usually pretty much all over the place, uh, going to different conferences, meeting clients, uh, walking the factory floors. But that's what I love doing. That's, that's, um, that's why I started it. Um, it is so fascinating to see um, all the different processes and the fantastic engineers, plant managers, and operators who have so much pride in their craft and being able to deliver something new to them. But then our team, you can find our team in New York, in Manhattan. Fantastic. So they're all, all, all based there, working away, uh, melding together the world of the physical with the world of software and the virtual, which is always interesting to see. Exactly. And uh, you can find Odin Technologies at odin.io. And uh, Willem, thanks again for joining us today. It's been uh, really interesting to have a chat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excellent. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, uh, AWS podcast at amazon.com is where you can send your feedback. We really do appreciate it. And uh, until next time, keep on building.